Listening to your body can sometimes prove to be difficult. Every bit of energy you feel, every pang of pain, you have to be aware of every minute feeling in your nerves or in your bones before you act. Sometimes you'll feel a surge or a sharp spike of electricity as you bend to reach for something you've dropped on the floor. Your awareness is heightened, you experience your fight or flight response, and then you feel irritable. I know, it can be hard to keep your focus in check because your focus is honed on how you're feeling and what you want to do about it versus what you feel you need to do. Five minutes later, you start worrying about how long you'll be dealing with the same pain. But when do we really start listening? In today's episode, we'll be touching base on what it means to listen to your body and some steps to consider taking to further practice self-awareness as we go through our daily lives, as well as a friendly introduction to a particular medium for sensory stimulation, which you may consider using to help keep your circadian rhythm going. So whenever you're ready, you can grab a pair of headphones and put them on, maybe even your pen and notebook, because it's time for another journal entry. Hi guys, welcome back to the Moonstone Journals podcast. Today is April 14th, 2020, and it's a Tuesday here in Metro Manila. It's currently 1.54 a.m. I've been sleeping rather late lately because of starting this podcast. I mean, I'm not complaining. I really, really like the fact that I am, you know, getting a move on with one of my longtime plans and I'm actually doing something about it. I'm keeping my mind active in the midst of this pandemic. I'm thinking of the different topics that we could talk about um, for the podcast. And it's it's great. I mean, I get to actually just ramble on about what goes on in my mind and the different things that I've been meaning to touch on in terms of like a, a really serious and mature discussion, which I could never bring up during live streams just because, you know, live streaming is so different than actually formulating a podcast with a podcast, you have the opportunity to actually structure your thoughts and actually put them into words. I have my stuff in writing right now because I don't want to keep rambling without direction on what I actually want to touch base on. And I so far, I'm not really finding a struggle when it comes to formulating a podcast, just because I've used programs before like Audacity and Adobe Audition. So getting back into audio production is, it's relatively refreshing for me right now, which is so funny to say, because back in the day when I was making content on YouTube or trying to make content on YouTube, um, you know, with my gameplay stuff, audio was my number one enemy. Like audio was... <laughs> It, it was public enemy number one for me. I had a Samsung CO1U uh, um, condenser microphone, which eventually gave out, you know, as the years went on. And I thought at the time that I had to have really amazing gear just to get by, just to be like the awesome YouTubers or content creators. Um, but no, it actually comes down to what you learn for yourself when it comes to audio production. And I've, I've, I taught myself um, you know, video production and audio production. I taught myself how to use Premiere. Aside from, of course, having a background in IT 
and um, gaming and animation technology. I taught myself how to use Adobe Audition, Adobe Premiere Pro, Blender, After Effects. Yeah, After Effects is another thing. Um, so I taught myself how to utilize most of that. Um, Adobe programs have always been you know, my forte, I would say. Um, like I mentioned earlier, Premiere, uh, Premiere Pro to be exact. And that was after I, I tried out Sony Vegas, which a lot of people use that because it's apparently easier than Premiere Pro, but I would, I beg to disagree. Uh, Premiere Pro is a little more user-friendly, actually. If you're familiar with how Photoshop works and like the layout and everything, um, you know, transitioning to something like Premiere Pro would be easier. This time, actually, I'm keeping things a lot more basic. Um, last night, I fiddled with Adobe Audition for the first ever episode, which uh, for those who listen, thank you so much. Um, I really appreciate you guys that touch base, um, you know, with me or are, are, you know, are giving me a chance to use my, you know, use social media for, for different um, creative pursuits. But last night I was using Adobe Audition and I was briefly intimidated by the layout because I just remembered using it like five years ago and I was like oh my god I haven't used this in five years I you know there are some things that I remember but some things I don't but you know the more that I got into it when it came to editing the first episode the more it just came back to me however I want to go back to being just basic and it's only because of convenience. It's only because, you know, I want to make sure that I utilize um, the most basic of utilities <laughs> instead of, you know, wanting to attempt to be uber professional when all I want to do is just talk about certain things, you know, to, to actually use the platform as, you know, a way to actually deep dive and... um you know, to to deliver um, more quality content, I would say, apart from live streaming. We're using Audacity right now, and I'm actually learning how to use or how to create a podcast using Audacity because I've used Audacity only for recording voiceovers, um, especially when it came to like my vlogs, like if I wanted to clean up the audio or anything or separate my microphone audio from my video then I would use Audacity before, but that was before. Um, and then that was when I, you know, like I said earlier, I switched to Adobe Audition, but this time I want to learn podcasting on Audacity because it's the easiest. It's the most accessible software to use. It's actually, it's literally like it's free for everybody to use. So I want to just, you know, stick to my guns and keep it as simple as possible, but also delivering good quality, I would say or be able to talk about topics that are quality-inducing rather than just doing it for the heck of it. Yesterday, we talked about managing self-care in the midst of a worldwide crisis, um, which, of course, is COVID-19, and focusing on what we can do for ourselves during this time instead of wasting our energy on the things that don't really matter. It's also the perfect opportunity to take chances on the things you've been holding back from. Um, a lot of people, uh, if you're the type to follow celebrities or if you're the type to follow lifestyle, you know, blogs or Instagram accounts, you'll notice that a lot of them are using a specific type of hashtag 
that encourages people to share how they cope with a quarantine or a lockdown and what they've been doing to improve on themselves and not to necessarily get over it, but to get through it. Getting through something is different than getting over it. So if you if you follow personalities like that on Instagram or Twitter or YouTube or anything like that, don't forget to bring out your pen and notebook. Um, there might be some tips that you could pick up from them to further enhance your self-esteem rather than just wallowing in despair, right? Now, taking advantage of creative pursuits as it, you know, it could be uh, therapeutic for you. Um, you know, writing, creating videos or vlogs or uh, video diaries for yourself or audio diaries or audio logs or, um, you know, taking advantage of the chance to create a podcast or start live streaming, you know, something like that could help you cope with, of course, a number of things like loneliness and boredom. Um, I know a lot of people say that they're bored, but it's not that we're bored. It's like I said yesterday, I think we're just trying to get over the looming feeling of isolation and um, delving into things that we've never done before or have wanted to try um, can be something that could be helpful. Um, you know, if you've, if you've been wanting to pick up that guitar again, go ahead. Um, if you've been wanting to make audio or video production, go ahead. If you've been wanting to uh, finally finish a game that you couldn't finish before, go ahead. You know, there's so many things that you could do. Start baking, start painting, take photography in your garden, you know, start learning how to bike. Um, go for that run that you've been putting off for weeks. Um, you know, uh, I, I know that currently it is a struggle to actually have enough supplies in your, in your, in your fridge because of uh, the lockdown. But trying to keep yourself busy with extracurricular activities could help you in, you know, clearing your mind and, of course, helping you make your day-to-day -day decisions considering the circumstances. Um, I know that most of what I said uh, yesterday can probably seem difficult to put into practice because of different factors, different circumstances, but do know that I made it in good faith and the pilot episode was never intended to give a pretentious image um, or a hundred percent, you know, positive, uh, or positivity or seem overly idealistic. I know that, um, you know, I, I actually had to listen again. And, um, while most of my thoughts were structured or are structured for the episodes for the podcasts that I will be doing or podcast episodes that I will be doing, I know that it can be difficult to put into practice, you know, certain things. Just remember that most of my episodes are not to push you around or not to impose a 100% positive outlook on life because, of course, every day there's always going to be a little or big something that's going to happen that could change the dynamic of how your day goes. Um, but just know that these episodes are made in good faith and just to relay my thoughts and feelings on certain things that I've been wanting to talk about, but could never talk about on a live stream setting because the dynamic is so different when you're live streaming versus when you're podcasting. I mean, for me, I'm alone in my room right now. Um, it's 2.05 AM as I'm, you know, as I'm recording this and I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to my computer and the audience is obviously different. Um, so behavior is different. The outlook is different. The mindset is slightly different. 
Um, but know that the intentions are still good and it's all in good faith. And I'm just, you know, doing my part, um, in giving encouragement or giving a bit of encouragement when it comes to shifting our focus on the things that we can control rather than what we cannot and to exercise patience with ourselves. I think that's the number one thing that we need to remember, especially during this trying time is to be a little more patient with ourselves and to understand that things that are happening outside of our online space, it's for our own good. And we just need to recognize our priorities. Um, we need to make some changes in order to prepare for the future. Baby steps. You don't need to make big leaps or big steps. Baby steps. So speaking of things we can control, today's topic is about listening to our bodies and what we can do to help it just as our senses are heightened when we are starting to listen. Right? So what can we do to be more consistent when it comes to listening to our bodies? You know, we all have our vices. We all have our little quirks, as I call them. Um, we all have our, you know, our, our little habits that can be hard to change because we've developed them um, a little early on to be long lasting for us. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad, but I'm talking about the bad ones. Um, but how do we actually be consistent when it comes to listening to our bodies? For example, when you're dealing with body pain or when you feel like you're going to have a cold or if you feel like you're going to have um, a migraine, how do you actually reconcile with yourself that, okay, once I feel this, I'm going to be a little more attentive. And when it hits this particular threshold, I'm going to stop whatever I'm doing and actually take care of myself. Take note of onset pain or habits that you've noticed with your body when you feel like you're about to get sick. Like, for example, for me, I know that I'm going to have a cold when I sneeze two to three times. Even if the doors of my room are open, because they have sliding doors that have screen doors over them. So even if I did have the doors open just to let some air in or the air circulation going, even if, you know, I'm drinking lots of water even if I do have my antihistamines, if ever, even if I do have or have been eating properly or have been taking three meals a day, once I take, um, you know, once I know that it's been raining a lot or if it's um, a rainy season, when I start sneezing, if I sneeze three times, it's a guarantee that I will get sick next time. That's one note that I've been taking, you know, um, or, or that's one thing that I've been taking notes on with myself. You know, it's it's physical and internal cues like that that help me understand that, okay, this is about to happen. I need to prepare. I know what to do. Another thing is my sciatica issue and my kidney stones issue. So some of you people may know that I've been dealing with sciatica since I was 16, um, since 2006. And it is a pain. It is not something that will be cured, you know, forever. It's actually a recurring thing. But it doesn't happen all the time. It will happen once in a while, if I'm lucky. <laughs> so I deal with this um, around my left hip and my lower back. Uh, my left lower back. 
and also the entirety of my left leg. There are some times where I feel like there's a radiating or pulsing pain around my knee, um, around my hip, and I know that when it starts hurting like that, I need to immediately grab the hot water bottle and do a warm compress. Or I need to do stretching. I need to do my frog pose, yoga stretches. Um, I need to, you know, um, start doing very gentle yoga stretches just to make sure that I've got my limbs and my nerves in check um, and that I can still feel things because like my uncle has said, you should be really glad if you're still feeling specific degrees of pain or relief. It's when you start not being able to feel anything where you should be worried. And that has always stuck with me ever since I was first diagnosed with sciatica. Um, you know, it that has always stuck with me and that's something that I always will remember. And thankfully, it hasn't really gone um, to a very severe degree because there are actually some instances where um, for someone who has suffered with sciatica, they might resort to amputation, which I I really hope I do not have to go through in the future. I still want to be able to walk. Um, you know, for me, I, I like to be able to, like, as, as a sensory thing, it feels good for me to know that I still have my limbs in check. Um, I'm not saying that those who do not have their limbs are incapable. Oh my God, for those who are still able to use their feet, um, you know, to maneuver around or to be able to pick up things. I am in absolute awe, you know, of people like that. But for me, I would still like to be able to move around. I would still like to be able to go to the places I want to go. I really hope that I do not have to go through the possibility of an amputation in the future. It's not something it's not something that I will be ready for, I don't think. It's not something that I could ever consider to go through, but of course, if situations change, you know, we have to adapt to survive. But for now, I'm I'm doing or for the past decade plus or half of my life, I've been doing my best to you know, maneuver around you know, whenever I get hit with sciatica, I take, you know, I, I do my stretches. I actually go walk around my subdivision. I take long walks, you know, little things like I make sure that my shoes are um, well padded inside. I make sure that uh, my laces are not too tight. My socks are snug or they fit well, you know, certain things like that. Even for something as simple as making sure that your underwear isn't too tight around your hip area or your, you know, your torso area. That also helps because it's it's just a way for me to make sure with myself that I am well supported but not too comfortable. So little notes like that when you are about to feel like you're going to be going through something that's going to be around for a while. Searching for alternative momentary healing instead of pumping your body with medicine that's also something that i that i do uh for example um when you feel like you have a sore throat or when you feel like you have a cold coming on you make something called what we call salabat which is ginger tea so you steep some ginger and then you add some brown sugar to it or white sugar whichever 
uh, you, you know, you boil it and all that and you drink it. And that is a really good alternative to just taking um, 500 milligrams or, you know, or so of a particular medicine. Because um, you're allowing your body to actually ingest or um, absorb the natural nutrients of, of whatever you've prepared in the kitchen. Of course, safely and cleanly. Please don't forget to wash your vegetables and whatnot. You guys know what to do. Doing stuff like that, holistic methods, um, ancient medicine, as we call them, can actually help you in your bodily maintenance. Always being open-minded to that sort of thing can actually help you in the long run and not just, you know, not just dismissing it as uh, voodoo, witchcraft or whatever. It's not always the case, you know. Your ancestors, your elders, would not have been able to, you know, pass, you know, survive for generations if they didn't do or rely on ancient medicine or holistic methods. So that's something you have to keep in mind. Uh, listening to music, um, what type of music though? That depends. Um, for me, I enjoy listening, for example, to uh, video game music, um, also ambient music. I love sweeping orchestras. Um, I think it's just because that I've grown up listening to classical music, and so and so listening to uh, video game music as I got older has actually helped me when it comes to coping with um, not being able to, you know, find neoclassical or classical composers anymore. Because I mean, I used to play violin. I used to play guitar. So. Um, you know, I've, I'm, I'm used to that sort of genre. I love it. Um, but of course, as I got older, listening to the same thing, you're going to get bored of it. And for me in particular, I don't like too much of routine. <laughs> I'm not too big of a fan when it comes to routine. So I need something new and video game orchestras or video game orchestra music has definitely helped me in navigating through different types of sounds, different types of genres. And of course, depending on the mood, um, I will pop on a specific type of music. Like for example, if I'm writing, then I'll listen to Jeremy Soul. If I'm, you know, um, if I'm feeling like uh, just playing The Sims 4 and chilling and not necessarily surfing through the internet, then I'll play The Sims 4 and listen to Final Fantasy piano collections music, you know, things like that. But sound triggers can also help in relaxation and to help you get in touch with your body. ASMR is the acronym for Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response which is sometimes also called autosensory meridian response. It's a tingling sensation that typically begins on your scalp. You know, it could be on the crown of your head or at the back of your head. And it moves down the back of your neck and through your upper spine. And so it's, it's a pleasant feeling. It's a relaxing feeling. It's a calming feeling. But it also gives you some sort of you know, a, a really tiny bit of excitement, I would say. Um, it's a pleasant form of paresthesia, and it has been compared with auditory tactile synesthesia and may overlap with frisson. So that's the short 
example of it. Of course, I got it from Wikipedia, but still. It is something to do with synesthesia, which is a condition where you associate a specific abstract thing with another one of your senses. So for example, you're confronted with numbers, but you can hear them or you can you associate them with specific colors or maybe a taste or anything like that. So for example, you see number two. To you, number two is a color and it's also a taste. So it's some sort of hyper-awareness when it comes to your senses. Now, how do you get ASMR? Now that we're on the topic of sound triggers, how sounds can help you um, relax and help you get in touch with your circadian rhythm, um, which, by the way, is your sleep cycle or it's your body clock. That's what you call the body clock. Some people will rely on sound for therapy for that. But how do you get ASMR? Reminiscing on feelings or sounds you've experienced in the past can actually help you with that. Childhood memories is a very common denominator when it comes to ASMR. A lot of people who discover ASMR for the first time and when they start understanding what it is, they realize that it has something to do with childhood memories. For example, your parents helping put you to sleep, caressing your hair, or it could be a big hug, uh, remembering what your old house was like, the smell of your room or your old room, um, the smell of you know a, a particular memory. My earliest memory of ASMR was when I was four. Um, I had a nanny, and she was just with me all the time. Like she was great. I used to call her Ma just because like she was such a motherly figure in my life. Um, she would help put me to bed, and you know, whenever I would fall asleep, she'd actually fall asleep next to me, and she would rub my back or caress my hair, or you know, run her fingers through my hair. And I actually had really, really long hair before, like up to my butt, I would say, <laughs> or up to my um. Uh, around my lower back and so she would always you know comfort me by doing that and that has always been a very particular memory to me because it was a very pleasant feeling um, or sensation like it gave me that assurance that there was someone that was watching over me or someone next to me that uh, really actually cared you know so there was a sense of security and a sense of comfort along with that. Now, there is a second memory of when I experienced ASMR. I had a classmate when I was seven, and this was in second grade. I had a classmate named Marcus. That's right. I still remember his name. And I remember this because my hair was braided that day, and he was sitting behind me, and he would actually, like, you know, reach... Uh, to pull like on the at the tips of my hair and it took me I remember it taking me a while to understand what was going on but it gave me like tingles and I remember turning around and looking at him and I was like you know stop and he said sorry I just really like your hair <laughs> I remember him I don't remember his last name but I do remember his name it was Marcus I don't know where the hell he is now, but oh my God, I will never, you know, forget that memory. 
he was a bit of a flirt in second grade, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> aside from feelings, though, um, you know, synesthesia, paresthesia, um, you know, uh, pleasant sensations, tingles, or anything like that, sounds can also help bring back memories or help you propel forward. So, um, by propelling forward, I mean to say that they can help you feel good for the rest of the day. Now, when it comes to ASMR, which of course there are different types of triggers for those of you who listen to ASMR, I am sure you are aware, you know, there's different types. There's nail tapping, there's um, lightly scratching, there's inaudible whispering, there's uh, ear cupping or, you know, different types. There, There's very different uh, types of sounds. Like some of them will also have like um, watery or liquidy sounds, um, you know, because it would give you the impression that you are um, underwater or making bubbles or there are some people who will make um, sounds where you know, they are tracing their, their, their fingers or their hands on the windscreen because it gives the impression that you are underwater or listening to the wind. You know, there's different triggers like that. Um, but ASMR actually used to be taboo for some apparent reason. It used to be made fun of, but now you'll see celebrities or companies taking advantage of it for marketing purposes. Perfect example is Cardi B. Cardi B, to our surprise, also listens to ASMR. And she was on the Vanity Fair YouTube channel and she made a video on, you know, she made an ASMR video and millions of people watched it. Now, there were also ASMR artists that were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe she actually listens to this. And they finally felt like they were heard, like they were actually understood by someone in the public eye that, um, you know, knew how to manipulate sounds and knew how to actually take advantage of, you know, that type of auditory response with their bodies. Um, Ikea also uses ASMR for their marketing strategy. Um, you'll see videos, um, of Ikea from Australia or I, you know, like the proper Ikea channel, um, having a segment called oddly Ikea, which, um, you know, they, they start using Ikea products to set up or to fix up the bedroom or, you know, whichever room it is, um, fitted sheets on the bed, hands on the sheets, you know, just it's, it's very, very sensory. It is incredibly sensory stimulating. It's great. So stints like that or maneuvers like that from Vanity Fair or Ikea, they have helped propel ASMR to the mainstream scene and for further acceptance, which as a viewer or as someone indulging in ASMR, it feels great because you have companies like that or personalities like that taking advantage of their platform to actually spread the news that, you know, it's not so bad. It actually does help you feel good. And in that turn, when you start reassessing how you listen or how you absorb sounds or auditory cues like that, you know, you start being more aware of the different sounds that you can listen to, to help you listen to your body better. Right. 
so it's a it's a domino effect i feel like it's a it's a domino or snowball effect and medical journals for example or science websites have interviewed asm artists for further understanding of asmr itself because it is a phenomenon like they don't know where you know or or how the brain processes it but it does happen and so they've interviewed asm artists for further understanding of that now there are also clinics or asmr spas that have been established to help provide a welcoming community experience for those who are curious about asmr and how it works or for those who seek to understand better about what brain tingles mean and how it can work for them there are videos by you know buzzfeed i know what you're thinking buzzfeed is probably a very unreliable source but they have some videos that are really interesting they got i believe it was one or two people or i think four people who went to this kind of asmr spa or asmr retreat in the middle of downtown los angeles and you know it was it was an experience for them and they came out of it with very interesting outlooks on what asmr could be for them with regards to asmr now that i think about it my earliest introduction to asmr was in 2012 so here's some story time right um at the time binaural beats were everywhere binaural beats were imminent you know those are alpha waves delta waves beta waves some people would create videos of binaural beats where there's like music overlaying or it's just sound waves you know to a specific frequency or specific type of sound wave or specific type of frequency at the time because I didn't know what else to listen to, I found ASMR because of one particular ASM artist that was making the rounds on YouTube at the time, and her name was Heather Feather. Heather Feather, I'm not sure if she's still making videos because, I mean, I've shifted to listening to other ASM artists, but Heather Feather was everywhere. She was like the sweetheart of the ASMR community at the time in my perception she had this ear cupping video um she wore latex gloves and she ran them over her 3do microphone if you're not aware what a 3do microphone is it's basically the microphone that you see from asmr to swear it's 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 a rectangle it's like a white rectangle and there's like ears on the sides it's because there's microphones inside those ears and that's what's picking up the sounds when they do ear cupping videos or if they decide to put an object against the ear or onto the ear to produce a sound trigger. So she had that particular video and I remember just being at our college friend space. I was I was with Sato at the time. Um, we visited a friend of ours um, and we would stay over um, during the weekend we would do a sleepover there and I was on my laptop and I listened to Heather Feather. There was a time where I took an afternoon nap and it was great. Like I <laughs> fell asleep so easily, but the brain tingles. Oh my God. Ever since then, I was so fascinated with ASMR. I don't know if the video is still up, but try to search for it. Maybe she still has it, but yeah, it is um just search for ear cupping and then heather feather 
I'm sure you'll see what I'm talking about. Like she, the video might still be up somewhere or possibly still on YouTube. Now, with regards to ASM artists, um, you know, let's try and come full circle with this one. Um, when it comes to listening to sounds or sound triggers or um, using sound to help you understand your body better um, by listening to sound triggers, I have some recommended ASM artists. Um, they do produce quality ASMR videos. And I hope that if you do decide to listen to any of them, that it would help you feel better and help you sleep better or maybe give you pleasant memories of an experience you've had in the past or maybe take you to some other place mentally, um, you know, away from all the stress for, for a while. So take your pen and your notebook. Here's some recommended ASMR tests, okay? And I've been listening to them for a very long time now. Like I said, I've been listening to ASMR since 2012. So I know my stuff, okay? It's just that I can't go too in-depth about it because I want you guys or I want people to still be able to discover something about ASMR, right? ASMR is not all about mukbang videos where you'll hear people wet chomping in their in their mouths or ASMR is not entirely about whispering. Whispers are just one of the very different or one of the many sound triggers that you'll hear in the world of ASMR. But some recommended ASMR artists that I have are ASMR Magic, Whispers Red, Articulate Design ASMR, Marno ASMR, who, by the way, has an amazing series called Pleasantly Unpredictable. I highly recommend it. Like, he'll do one gesture. Like, if you're watching his video, there could be one scene or one segment where he's like, imitating scissors and he's you know emulating that in front of the camera but then the sound is different it's great oh my god i highly recommend it there's also asmr bakery now if you're going back in time you can also check out asmr requests they have a series called departure if i remember correctly it's a three video um, or three-part series where you basically go on a trip in your favorite rocket ship, <laughs> you go to space and she arranges a trip for you to a specific star in a different galaxy or, you know, our current galaxy. And you're basically in a cryopod and then, it, you know, the production value of that for its time was great. So I highly recommend that. Another one is ASMR Glow and then there's ALB in Whisperland. She had this video where she was caressing her friend's hair. Oh my god, that video, like, it was, I remember that video had like a pinkish, reddish kind of light, and that video was incredibly relaxing. Her friend had really short hair in that video. Another thing is ASMR Destiny. ASMR Destiny has this really amazing production value. I think they actually work in the film industry, I'm not sure, but... Given the fact that they have so much gear um, when it comes to filmmaking and they really know their stuff when it comes to video production. Um, ASMR Destiny also has an amazing ear cupping video. It's one of my favorite triggers, ear cupping. 
and of course, two of my absolute go-tos, Goodnight Moon ASMR and Latte ASMR. Those two ladies have the most amazing productions for their setups. It's not just they'll turn on the camera and they'll be in front of the microphone doing sound triggers on the 3DO microphone. It's not just like that. I'm telling you. Goodnight Moon. Her name is Erin, I believe. She has a degree in multimedia studies, I believe, or something like that, or filmmaking. And it shows, like, her interest in art. It shows in her production value in her videos. So I highly, highly recommend her. Latte is just an angel. She is incredibly sweet and caring. And you can tell for Latte, she doesn't just make the videos whenever. She really does work on her sets. And by sets, I mean the room that she's, you know, filming her ASMR videos in. It's it's like she she's living in a completely different world. It's amazing. I highly recommend all these people that I've just mentioned. Um, actually, the ones that I found and started listening to a few months ago are specifically Marno ASMR, ASMR Bakery, ASMR Glow, and Latte ASMR. But... For Goodnight Moon, Ailby in Whisperland, Whispers Red. Oh, Articulate Design was also someone that I found a few months ago, so I've been listening to them too. But for the others, like ASMR Magic, Whispers Red, um, ASMR Requests, Ailby in Whisperland, Heather Feather as well, if she's still making videos, and as well as ASMR Destiny. I've been listening to them for the longest time. So, um, But either way, I hope that you guys... Um, check out their content. They are amazing when it comes to ASMR. And also, before I forget, the one person that I found recently, actually about four days ago, is a lady named Stacy Astor. She makes amazing slime videos. If you guys like slime ASMR or just really pretty nails while <laughs> poking at slime, Stacy Astor makes amazing ASMR videos. The production value, again, incredible. Please, it's super high quality. I would suggest you start watching these people that I've just mentioned because it's you won't regret it. But if you're scared to start listening to ASMR or you suffer from some degree of misophonia, which is an aversion to specific types of sounds, for example, if you absolutely hate wet chewing sounds, that's perfectly fine. But try to keep an open mind, of course, with ASMR. A lot of people are looking for something to help them relax. And ASMR has a wide variety of sound triggers. You know, I, I'm, I'm still very hopeful that we live in a world where listening to ASMR is widely accepted and not just given a stereotype. Of course, there are some, you know... Uh, of course, there are some instances where you'll find content creators that are creating ASMR videos for a completely different type of audience. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. If that's your jam, that is completely up to you. But generally speaking, ASMR should never be about negative or ill feelings because the type of production value that ASMR artists give, and I hope that we give them you know, enough respect, 
you know, to know that they actually go through a lot of tweaking, a lot of self-learning, a lot of, um, you know, expenses just to deliver high quality content. I hope that we, you know, sooner or later understand that these people will not just make a video for the heck of it. They will actually spend a lot of time working on these videos and producing this type of content for a specific type of audience that actually knows how they feel. So I think we just need to give them the respect they deserve. So if you don't want to listen to ASMR, that's fine. You can always listen to your type of music, of course, because this is all about sound and listening to your body and using this, the type of sounds that make you feel good um, to help you feel good. You can listen to binaural beats as well. Um, they're actually a good way to start. Um, or you can listen to other things that can help evoke a specific type of atmosphere for you. For some, it's video game orchestra music. For some, it's hip-hop or a different genre. It doesn't matter. This is about the science of sound. Um, ambient music can also help you. Highly recommended before we close this podcast episode is please... If you are having trouble sleeping, I recommend you listen to Skyrim Atmospheres. It's something that my close friend and I, Gabby, listen to a lot. But quick warning, if you're writing and you're listening to Skyrim Atmospheres by Jeremy Soule, be prepared to feel some sort of sleepiness. So I highly recommend you to listen to it instead when you're about to go to sleep. That's all I need to say about that. If you want to go and explore what that track sounds like, I wish you well and I wish you good luck. I hope you're able to listen to it in an environment where you will be undisturbed and you can get a very good night's rest <laughs> or morning's rest, whichever. But for now, that is going to be it. Um, we're nearing an hour. I have not taken a break from this podcast, but that's going to be it for now. Thank you so much for listening today. Um, tomorrow, it's going to be... A very interesting deep dive into one of my favorite games which is journey I recently replayed this and I would like to give some thoughts about the video game of course we have a lot to talk about I'm not gonna spoil what we are going to be talking about in that episode but it's gonna be pretty good and I hope to see you guys there I hope you guys have a good evening or good morning please take care stay safe Wash your damn hands, and I'll see you guys in the next journal entry.